Hi everyone and welcome to the Imprint podcast. We are here today with Liv Breecroft. How are you doing Liz? I'm good, how are you? Not too bad. <laughs> so can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself please? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Liz Beecroft. I am based in Brooklyn uh, and I am a psychotherapist, a licensed clinical social worker. Um, and I also love sneakers a lot. So I use my platforms um, to connect the dots between sneakers, sports, and mental health. And, you know, in my full-time work, I provide individual therapy to millennials and Gen Z. Wow, that's pretty impressive <laughs> and a lot to grasp. So thank you for telling us all that. Um, so can you tell us where your influences were, your origin story, and what would you say sneakers played a big part to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania, um, about an hour north of Philly. So growing up, my parents had got me into sports around a really young age, probably around three or four, I started playing basketball. Um, I was an only child, so that was kind of their way of getting me to intermingle with other kids my age. Uh, and I fell in love with the sport. So basketball is kind of really what introduced me to sneakers and it really first started being about basketball silhouettes. So for me being very close to Philly, it was always, always about the Sixers, specifically Allen Iverson. He was my boyfriend, my role model, um, you name it. He was that person for me when I you know, was little and even to this day, still one of my biggest inspirations and in role models. So for me, my first shoe I think that I had bought well, I mean, I had basketball sneakers for like little kids when I was young, but yeah. what I can remember was the question mid. Um, that was, you know, like one step closer to being like my idol. So uh, yeah, that was really where it started and then kind of expanded to, you know, purchasing and collecting basketball sneakers, silhouettes that were also other role models. So like T-Mac, Jordan, um, yeah, you name it. And it just kind of expanded from there. Wow, that's amazing. It's, it's the ongoing love story, I guess, for everybody, right? <laughs> so how did your journey to becoming a licensed therapist start? Yeah, so I, when I went to undergrad, um, I went to a really small school in Pennsylvania called Susquehanna University and going into college I really wanted to be an orthodontist I wanted to put braces on people's teeth studied biology um, and then by the time sophomore year well, junior year hit I had to take organic chemistry and I hated it to the point where I changed my major to psychology right and like I always knew I wanted to help people. I always knew like I wanted to do some type of helping profession, but um, orthodontics just was not for me after taking some classes. And I had been in and out of therapy my whole life. Um, since I was young, when I was little, I really struggled with homesickness and anxiety. Um, and I found that out when, when my parents would, you know, send me to basketball camps. I would have a really hard time being away, taking panic attacks, you know, full on breakdowns to the point where like my coach, my teammates didn't know what to do with me when we were at camp. Um, so that's kind of when my therapy journey started. And, you know, eventually I saw like how much it helped me move past that point of my life. Um, and 
yes, anxiety is still something, something I struggle with today. And I'm able to like laugh about it because it's part of what makes me me. But, um, you know, I just, from personal experience, saw how much therapy can impact someone's life if you find the right therapist. So that's kind of what led me into this, this role. Yeah. I mean, yes. So you, you do great work. Um, and you've recently moved into private practice. So congratulations onto that too. And I'm sure you'll have a lot more scope to build your brand and practice moving forward in the future. So congrats again. Thank you. (laughs) So um, you mentioned in your FFF that you provide therapy for millennials to Gen Z in the creative and sports spaces, as well as connecting the dots between sports sneakers and mental health on a social media platform. What does that actually look like day to day for us to envision? Yeah, so my experience as a therapist after, you know, I moved to New York in 2014 uh, to get my master's degree in social work and stuck around. I met my fiance and fell in love with the city. So here I am in New York. And after graduating, I worked two different roles in the nonprofit space doing therapy. One was doing family therapy and another role um, I was working for a foster care organization doing Uh, individual therapy with kids in foster care and you know a lot of my experiences with the clients that I worked with I I didn't have a lot of shared experience whether it be cultural backgrounds just overall life experiences I've never been in foster care you know I've never uh, had to face the juvenile justice system and deal with some of the issues that are systemically happening there and you know, I couldn't relate in a lot of experiences. And so here I am, a social worker walking into these people's lives and trying to teach them skills that can make their lives better. And you know, rightfully so, how are, how's anyone supposed to trust a social worker when you're already in a really terrible experience? So, you know, for me, a lot of the ways that I engaged with my clients was through sneakers. Like, you know, very grateful that I had supervisors and bosses who were really open and understanding that like I love sneakers and I'm not coming to work in business clothes I'm gonna wear a suit but I'll wear sneakers you know I'll wear Jordans um and I think what they noticed too is like for a lot of these kids that really refused therapy or didn't want to engage in these services uh I would spend one or two sessions just talking about sneakers with kids that's it like what shoes you like who's your role models when it comes to basketball or music or whatever um and really break down a lot of those walls and I think it helped them see that I'm a human being outside of just this therapist role and that's really what kind of broke down a lot of walls so sneakers were a huge way to really organically and authentically connect with my clients um and then you know now so with social media seeing just within the sneaker industry how much we don't have those conversations about mental health. And I think over the last couple of years, um, especially when you're on Instagram, a lot of it from what I see is really about hype culture. And, you know, that's something that affected me personally. When I first started doing it, I saw like how it affected my mental health, feeling like I had to keep up, feeling like I, you know, had to constantly have these latest drops and get that photo up as soon as possible to get a, hopefully get a repost from a big media outlet and doing things that pulled away from who I was at my core and 
thankfully I had people around me who kind of called me out on it and I was in there I'm still in therapy I love my therapist but she was like you know you don't have to be a hype bay or you don't have to like not that hype bay is a bad out and I love hype bay and hype beast but like you don't have to be that type of person you could be you and still love sneakers and it's okay if you're not following the crowd and doing what everyone thinks is cool um and so at that point in my life too I wasn't talking about mental health I was not sharing my expertise online I was really just posting sneakers trying to like flex for the gram per se and it you know, financially I got in put, in, I went into debt. Like mm. it was a lot of stressors, you know, like trying to keep up with this lifestyle for a superficial means was not it. So that's kind of when I decided, you know, I'm going to start talking about mental health and people can either accept it or they're going to think I'm corny. And it was really terrifying, but luckily there's a lot of people that resonated with it. And, you know, there's still people today that like, if, God forbid I do like a takeover on an account, like reading those comments, I've learned to not read them. There's so many trolls out there and they always will exist. But, you know, I think for me, it really took a lot of shift in perspective of like, why, what got me into sneakers? Why do I really like sneakers? And bringing it back to those core beliefs and those core values. Absolutely. I mean, what you just said, all of that, I resonate with, I have conversation with friends again, they just like, if they post something which is an OG, there's mm -hmm. not enough likes apart from the OGs liking them. But when it's a hype shoe, the numbers go up because it's something that they know. And it's just like, it shouldn't be like that. You should just be posting for you and no one else. Yeah. So. And it's wild because it that plays with you mentally. Like, especially if you're a creator who like, for people who, you know, rely on Instagram as like their means of income, like, it sucks because like in some capacity you're not really allowed to be yourself because those likes and those comments really do dictate like the opportunities you get and when people are only like validating you because of hype like do you actually like this shoe or do you like it because everyone else says it's cool there's a huge resale value on it and for me like that's what I found you know I was I was buying stuff because it was cool and not because I liked it and thankfully I was able to get out of that mindset but they're it definitely happens and it's scary. It is. I mean, I buy a lot of what I like and not a lot of people know what it is, but then because it's different, they're still honed in on it. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm doing me. Mm -hmm. Bye now. And we move on. <laughs> so yeah, I totally get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So how has your work progressed working with brands through mental health initiatives? Yeah. I mean, it's, progressed tremendously and I am very thankful for you know any brand that really sees that potential because you know a, a couple months ago I, I think I had posted something in my story like there was like a thing going around where you put the question sticker in and it's like tell me what your impression is, is of me and you know people were like oh you're down to earth you're whatever and this was, that was cool and nice to hear but at the same time there was one person specifically who was like you're an influencer so you get a bunch of free stuff and I was like okay. And so the way I kind of like approached it, I was like, you know, I feel like brands send me stuff because they see that I have an important message to share and they respect that. And I respect them for noticing that. And as a professional in the mental health space, you know, I think it's super important that brands utilize professionals just as much as they utilize advocates or influencers who talk about mental health. I think, you know, 
like if you you go online and you see people talking about I don't know like physical health concerns there's always like a medical doctor associated so when it comes to mental health it should be the same having licensed people who are trained and experienced um and that's something I can go on for days about but I, I think I do really appreciate the brands who recognize like that I am a professional in this space because it gives credibility, but it also like, you know, when I do something for mental health, I don't just like say, here's a hoodie for mental health and call it a day. Like it's, here's the hoodie, hundred percent of the profits are being donated. Here's also resources that come with it. Like giving the people actionable items because quite frankly, like after this last year, I'm really tired of like the, the mental health buzzword and just seeing a lot of things popping up for mental health, but not actually doing anything for mental health. Yes. Um, so I appreciate the brands who do like try to work with me. Well, I'm sure you're going to continue um, expanding those relationships moving forward also. So again, it's always a pleasure to see your work, especially in the social media space. And I look forward to um, our little project that we've got coming up shortly as well. <laughs> They're not ready. (laughs) So I'm going to congratulate you once again on your private practice. And how are you, how's it all going? And how are you dealing with um, imposter syndrome? It's going well, a lot better than I thought, to be honest. Like I'm almost at a full caseload. And that was my biggest concern was like, you know, going from a nine to five into private practice. I don't, I didn't have that. I knew there was going to be a time where I wasn't going to be at a full caseload in private practice, but realistically, I couldn't get myself to a full caseload while I was working a nine to five. So I was like kind of trying to save up, make sure I was financially stable so that like this weird gap period didn't affect me too much. And luckily, like I've been okay. Like I'm now almost at a full caseload and I've only been in private practice for nine days. So I'm very blessed and grateful for that. But the reality is, is like, it's very isolating going from a nine to five where you have coworkers and you're on calls all day to owning your own business and being by yourself in that sense. So that's one thing I'm like mentally adjusting to is just like trying now to stay in touch with people more who I don't typically get to talk to. And um, I'm excited, like, you know, the learning curve for sure right now, like trying to learn how to run a business, um, a lot of things that they didn't teach us in social work school, but it's exciting. Um, And I'm just really excited for the future and to like be able to work with, you know, all different platforms and creatives and brands and you name it to like really just change this dialogue on mental health and and make it more digestible. Yes, I know you're definitely gonna do it. And we're all gonna be with you. I'm there, as you know already, I'm already there. <laughs> so I'm gonna go back on to how you managed to fuse your love of sneakers into what you do today. Can you just expand a bit more? Cause obviously you mentioned earlier that you walking into a room with a suit, but wearing a pair of Jordans. What is it like the initial impact? And just again, visually try and explain that to us. Yeah, I think, you know, sneakers, when it comes to mental health, people think, you know, the textbook practices are the only way to take care of your mental health, like the meditations, the journaling, and don't get me wrong, they're all great practices. And if they work for you, cool. But 
for a lot of people who are, you know, not privy to mental health to begin with, or are a little skeptical of it, meeting people where they're at, which is kind of like our tagline for mental sessions, really finding things that people already like and already are passionate about and showing them like, you can use those as ways to take care of your mental health. So for example, sneakers, like, you know, mindfulness, meditation, people do that to practice mindfulness. But when you're cleaning a pair of shoes, like you're focused on the shoe, you're forcing your brain to be in the moment. And that could be a practice of mindfulness if you really want it to be. And it's a win-win because you also get a clean pair of shoes when you're done. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, even reflection, like some of the stuff that I talk with some of my clients about, whether they be a, they're a photographer, musician, or whatever, is looking back on your work. And for people in sneakers, like it's looking back on what shoes you wore. You know, you might not even fully be aware, but subconsciously we're choosing colors and silhouettes that reflect our mood for that day. Yeah. And, you know, we can a week from now look back at a photo and be like, wow, like I, that was a really great day. And it makes sense. Like, look what I had on foot. Like it was a super bright colorway or it was a pair that I really was excited about. Or it could be like, I had a really terrible day and I was really sad and okay, it makes sense. I wore my beaters. Like, I don't yeah. know, you know, so it, it, little things like that, that, you know, can give you insights and windows into how you're feeling and, and ways to take care of yourself. Um, even like going on Nike ID and customizing a pair of shoes can be really cathartic and a, a way to express your creativity. So some of the interventions I've done with teenagers is literally going on Nike ID and sessions and all right, if you sneaker, how would, what materials, what colors, what would you do and why? So they'd design the shoe, but then I'd challenge them and say, all right, why did you choose this color? What does this color signify for you? What does this mean for you? And it really helps them identify what their core beliefs are, what their core values are, which then, you know, leads us to open up segues and talking about thinking patterns and are those thoughts helpful? Are they not helpful? Do those thoughts influence the way you feel? Do the, those feelings influence the way you respond and act, which is essentially the CBT model? Um, so, you know, it's a really good way to engage people, but also if we think outside the box, um, we're able to incorporate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can relate on that process. This is why I kind of started what I'm doing as I am now, because I had my accident and I, I went back again, breakdowns, depression, because my life changed. So again, just sorting through kicks, organizing them, colors, I never color code them. I just like them because they're colorful. <laughs> but as you said, even cleaning is just getting into the grains and grooves and just remembering that time when you got them or you wore them or you met that love or somebody like that, that reminds you. So I totally relate with that model in terms of getting back on track in a way. So yes, it's definitely one for the books. <laughs> I think also like, you know, community. Sneaker community is um, filled with amazing, amazing, talented people. Yeah. And, you know, what I really am trying to do is teach everyone in the community or use my platform to teach people to know how to respond to mental health. Like if someone comes to you and says, I'm feeling this way, instead of shying away or telling them, oh, just be positive, here's some actual steps you can take to support them. And I think, you know, like I've met some of my best friends through sneakers and those are my people that I go to when I'm stressed. So like, you know, that's probably the same for a lot of people and, and how 
can we as a community learn the tools and the steps to best support our friends when they're struggling so yeah it's powerful there's there's a lot absolutely so okay we segue into something a bit more Woo! <laughs> any exciting projects or announcements that you can share with us right now yeah um i'm working on a collaboration with staple um staple pigeon jeff's brand uh that's coming out in may for mental health awareness month so really excited about that and then have a couple other things cooking up right now nothing confirmed yet but we're in talks for some stuff so um, hopefully that will pull through and but right now really just tunnel vision on this staple collab and right now everything's in production figuring out our marketing strategy and I'm really excited for this like I the storytelling is is really is really cool so I'm excited for people to see it well looking forward to seeing it ourselves trust me um so we're coming to a close unfortunately but before we go can you tell us one fun fact about yourself yeah um <laughs> i'm a diehard post malone fan <laughs> I love, like right behind me that's post malone uh, yeah. above our couch um and i can blow bubbles with my spit that's another fun fact okay <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to see that <laughs> right now but thank you. But thanks. Maybe another time. Maybe another time. And the and the little the little furry thing behind you. That's Mr. Brooks. Our cat. Well, Brooks, but we just call him Mr. Brooks because he's cocky. That's our cat. He's Brooks. been napping the entire time. He's great. So for those who can't see this interview, there is a cat in this entire interview. You should check <laughs> out the video. He's great. <laughs> but Liz, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. No doubt we will be conversing soon as we will be wrapping up Mental Health Awareness Month with our project that we have at hand. And yeah, you have a great weekend and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye.